it's, uh, its history goes back a really long way. Um, its ancestors are from China, actually, the Guchang, which has an even longer history. Um, and the Koto has been in Japan for over 1,300 years. Um, it's made of kiri, or polonial wood, which is um, native to Japan. It's almost two meters long, and it has 13 strings with movable bridges. So I can change the tuning. Um, I can also change the pitch of the, the note um, by pressing on this side. Um, probably my favorite thing about this instrument is that all of the parts of it are um, named after parts of the dragon. So, um, yeah, or new in Japanese. Yeah, I hope you enjoy hearing this instrument along with Tongaporo and with Neil. Kia ora. My name is Neil. Um, it's really nice to be here. I wish that my setup was as incredibly magic as that. Uh, mine is made of various metals and plastic. And my role tonight, um, I think, is easiest explained as using these bits of tech to first of all listen, to record what Jerome and Selena naturally come up with. They're fantastic improvisers and a lot of my job is kind of spent just trying to hear moments when people are improvising. So, right, so first of all I'm listening, recording, then I'm trying to give something back and then hopefully we'll end up conversating.
just some some starters really we're we're surrounded by kohatu by stone and so um uh, one name for this is um tumutumu when you just they're any stones you just pick them up put one in your hand and you tap it and you open and close your fingers to change the um pitches and tones and so this one i've got has a bit of an arc in it and that just alters the sound a bit too compared to having a flat one so it makes a bit of more of a resonance. So that's tumu tumu. Um, this is a porotiti, which is just anything with two holes in the centre with some string. Wind it up and pull it, and it makes a. You'll get the sound. And why that's kind of relevant today is that we can make these out of um, any bits of driftwood we find. So it doesn't have to be something that's carved or made in a workshop. We can do them um, with found pieces. With this, it's not about being symmetrical and perfectly balanced, but um, how to get it spinning well is to, before putting the holes in, is to find its balance. And you can do that just by on your finger or on, on a stone or something. So it could be a really, really odd shaped piece, um, but finding its balance and putting the holes there is what will get it spinning. So this is what we can um, consider um, today with porotiti kowaiwo, which is just anything that's essentially a tube made out of anything. So we've got seaweed on the beach, we've got um, wood, uh, we can find bones, so anything that's a basic tube. And what they've gone to find is um, a pākuru, which is um, something that you place on your cheek and your mouth is the resonator and you tap it. Yeah, so different sizes make different sounds. Pūrerihua, I haven't had a play around, like today could be a good idea. This is something that was, you know, made in a workshop with all the tools and stuff. But you could consider um, putting a hole in a piece of driftwood and putting some string in it today and giving it a spin and see what happens. Um, some bone as well. This is tōroa bone. And it's quite common to find bone that's been washed up. Um, tōroa is the albatross. And so besides these three, all of this tōroa was um, found on the south coast. Uh, Lyle Bay, there was one washed up that I was fortunate to get and more point. And so um, this is a good indication of what happened. That's a, a snap in the wing bone. So it would have been damaged in a storm and then or passed away in a storm and then washed up. Yeah, shells also another thing to, um, to look out for out there. Um, you can just play them, just pick them up and play them out. You don't need to modify them in any way. Um, if anyone finds a little um, power shell that can fit in the palm of your hand, you can just get a rock and just um, tap a hole into it, um, about the size of your fingernail, and then you can play over the hole as well. So um, that's how you could like modify a shell to play it. Just an introductory cordial to some of the portal and some of the things that um, we could be looking out for when we're out there. And then in terms of like what we're doing and why we're doing it, Oh, um, and something under here is um, incredible in that space, and you'll have some cordial about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one of the things we need to, 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 to think about, to find out, was 
what the purpose of this is. We went through the, through the basics and looked at the things that we can make, the things we can find, what we can do with them, but why? And that for me is a really important question. Um, especially in, in this type of space where we're heading out into the, the putayao, into our environment, where for me, this is where it all matters. You know, and reconnecting with, with our environment, reconnecting with our well, reconnecting with our wayward is really important in terms of um, um, And the reason for that is because the oral is yours and it comes out through your breath and things that we make are what transfers your modi into an oral that others can hear. So that's, that's really important for us to think about what we're doing. While we don't have to have an answer, I think it's just important that you ask the question. And I think this, this, this type of place is perfect for it. You, know? you get out there and it's, when it's easy, when the sun's out and it's shining and you're out having fun, anyone can do that. But if we're searching, going on a journey and when it's not so easy, that's when it's awesome. The title of this type of one is you know, um, Finding Sound. Um, and, but what we're doing is we're searching for oil. And I think that's a journey that everybody who loves Tango Pool, that's the journey they're on, is to, to search for oil, however it comes. She's a master of this type of searching for oil. This is, this is her practice. And so when we get up there, we be part, get amongst we feel and we feel the spray of the sea on our skin. This is when it matters. Yeah, I think the most accessible and easiest way to connect with Kuro is to just get outside. Because when you're looking, you also like pick up rubbish because that's the best way to be like honed in to look for bones. Um, as if you're kind of doing something for to Tayo in return, and I find the meanest, the meanest bones around here in Orfido Bay. And we've got a huge collection now as a whanau, and I think also when you're outside, all of the things, all of the oro that will inspire what you make is happening around you, so it's all, it all makes sense. Be a scavenger. We are Tāmira Pūoro, which is Michelle Valvin and I'm Peruvia Sully. And yeah, it's my pleasure to welcome you all on behalf of Pyramid Club and myself and Dan Beben and Al Fraser, who have organised tonight. It's been a really enjoyable experience playing with Michelle and I think as well we've both kind of learnt a lot about our musicality and how to work in with each other and make sure that both of us have the best kind of things we can get from the musical relationship and from having music from both those cultures. Do you find the Western instruments and Māori instruments uh, work together pretty well or do you find like a um, kind of tension between those two yeah. styles? I think that there can be both things happening and both things can be worthwhile and both things can symbolise a lot and both things can help to work through 
tensions or when we pretend that there aren't tensions and it's all pushed under. Um, yeah, I really like being able to use more like the philosophy of playing Taonga Puru, like a hiwihi and wana and how we move between notes and how we interact with the environment and transfer that to instruments like cello, which is my main instrument, my main Western instrument now. And to an extent, you can do similar things with Taonga Puru, with Western ways of thinking with, you know, this is the correct note in a way. Um, which I'm, I'm less inclined to do, but that's definitely something that a lot of our whanaunga do with when they're recording pop music and things like that, and it's something that, yeah, within that context, I, I do it that way as well. So, yeah, I think that it's the theories that really shape shape where you go rather than the instruments themselves almost. But, yeah, the, the theories come from the instruments. Actually, that was my favourite performance that um, Tamira Puro have ever done, I think, for me. It was my favourite. We sung a, had a, a sung song as well that was um, called Baby Dream, which is about um, babies and children that aren't able to kind of be either be born or be living within this world or aren't able to remain here for as long as we would we would have loved. So... And that was really special too, and I wouldn't usually do a song like that with Puro in a gig environment because it just doesn't feel appropriate or that people might see it as an opportunity to start talking about you rather than talking with you in a way. And I think it was it was so beautiful. We had lots of lovely kōrero from women coming up and from everyone coming up, actually. And, yeah, it was... Where I feel like that was a moment of success that I felt where it was like we've created a space here which is so supportive and so nice that we can actually do that and strangers can talk in that way and it's all completely safe, it's all, you know, it's culturally safe, it's personally safe, it's all these things and yeah, I think that was, that was a big favourite moment actually for me.
wo-wo was one of my first instruments. So when I was at primary school, I played played a bit of guitar. I can play a lot of songs by ear and stuff, and that was always kind of how I was taught and what I did. But I also learned kuo-wo, which was um, taught by Maria Kappa at my school, which was really great. So I had the Western understanding of music and the kind of Māori understanding of music working together all the time. And then that kind of went, went kind of more internal a bit, and I didn't play a lot of pivotal for a long time for accessibility reasons, moving away, things like that. And then started again when I was at uni and I was actually playing in a band with Al, um, but he was playing guitar and I was playing cello. And then um, I said, oh, look, I'd love to start doing that again. Can you give me a hand? And then, then yeah, kind of met everybody through that. And that was probably seven years ago now. Did you know everyone before you arranged this festival or have you kind of yeah. found people... I knew everybody but one who Al um, brought in, and that was Kieran, who did an amazing set last night um, with a video work that he made with um, some video he actually shot in Wellington when he's been staying at my house. So um, he was like, oh, you come up and play Pukaya when the tenor flag's on the screen. And then I'm like, oh, that's my tenor flag outside my house in the moonlight yesterday. Um, my name's Shane James. Um, I'm a maker and player of Tonga Puro. And I've got a couple of examples that I've made and I play. Um, I've got one of uh, Putorino, um, which is a both a trumpet and a flute. So it's unique in uh, the musical world for being um, two instruments in one. Um, this one is based on one... Um, at Te Papa Tongariwa's collection, so I um, I work there as a collection manager and look after the Tonga. Um, so I saw this putorino and decided to carve one inspired by it. So it, it's the same dimensions, thickness, the internal dimensions are, are fairly similar. Um, so the idea was to try and replicate uh, a similar sounding instrument. And this is the uh, trumpet sound. So you got three sounds, and then this is a fluting sound when you blow from the top. Yeah. 
And then when you blow from the center hole, there's another flute sound you get as well. And then I have another one here, uh, which is a pahu. A pahu is a, um, a drum, a traditional Māori drum, which is just a, a piece of wood. Um, it will have a slit in it to help with the um, sound quality. Um, and this one is also based on one in Te Papa. When I was in Te Papa, I found a box with something in it, and I, we never knew it didn't have what it was. So I looked at it with interest. And I actually saw some um, some strike marks on the top of it, which gave me the um, a clue that it was actually struck for some reason. And then uh, with later investigation and then making one, um, realised it was a pahu. So that was a, quite a um, significant moment for me to discover a tonga that um, we had lost the actual original purpose of it. So now the, um, the rather than ha having no description, it's got a description as um, with, with a lot of things because we discover it, we don't know 100%, but we're saying possibly uh, um, a pahu, a Māori drum. And this has just been tapped with the putorino. You could use any stick, but um, I'm just using this because that's all I've got. So... It's a papa, uh, we have a group, Haumanu ki te papa tongarewa, um, and that's been going since probably 20 plus years, um, easily, and it began firstly with Hirini uh, and Richard coming to the collection, to view the collection, so museums are a great repository for tonga, and so there's all these tonga pūro, because they weren't uh, that really available in the community anymore, and so they came in and did that research. But also, it's also good for people nowadays to go into museums, look at our tonga, our tonga pūro, and get an idea of, um, especially as a maker, to look at what, how the shapes forms, the internal dimensions, all those things, because they're, they're the best of the best. And they're, mm. they're scattered out between museums, even um, nationally and internationally. But um, what was interesting when we formed this group, and it started with um, with that initial visit, um, and then uh, Tamaho Timara, Dion Painter, Tom Ward, uh, Norm Heke, and Afina Tamarapa were those first ones. That with this initial um, visit, it, it sort of enlivened the Tonga, and it made them interested in what they were, because in a lot of museums, um, they didn't know what they were anymore. So they had these artists coming in, Hirini and Richard, looking at them and saying, well, wouldn't it be amazing to hear these music uh, instruments again? Um, so they formed a group. Um, we used it um, in our porphyry, our welcoming people to the museum, our opening and closing events before we did karakia. So it has really evolved over time, and the people that have been part of it have evolved as well. Um, which is really important with a community when you're starting it, that you have this ability to disseminate knowledge but also have other people take it on and then um, spread it out further as well and to more people. At one point it got up to 25 people in the group and that goes from really beginners to people that were more proficient players. 
um, but they've been a real mix. It's been mm. international, it's been New Zealanders, it's been Pākehā, it's been everything. Um, and uh, to be honest, what I found really interesting um, was that uh, people from overseas were felt more uh, were were more willing to learn Tonga Portal. It seemed like to me, my own personal idea was that Pākehā were a little bit hesitant. It was like, we're not sure, are we allowed to do this? But being from overseas, they didn't come with that baggage. So they adopted and were really keen. Um, but you're seeing more and more Pākehā being uh, more comfortable playing Tonga Portal, making, etc., etc. So which I think is great because it's, it's, it's music, it's sound. It's, it's, it's the inheritance of all Perfect. humankind. Yeah, and there's so much of the culture within the instrument and there's the idea too that the playing the music that we make is a real Māori within itself like it's a way of understanding a culture. Do you feel that a bit of that fear has been removed that you were talking about before that some people kind of had coming in? Yes I think um, some people were a little bit um, unsure about the revival and, and because we didn't know the traditions we didn't know um, the particular context and how we would use them, um, you know, that's, that's a great loss um, that we don't know how they were used always in the past, but my personal belief is that enables us to create new traditions. Mm. Um, so that's what we're doing, you know, in contemporary times, creating new traditions. Yeah. From Ma the old. From the old. Mm. Mahina, I've heard you talk before about um, some whakaaro around kind of those those kōrero from our tūpuna and those, even those kind of thoughts that come through from that cellular memory type space. Um, would you mind talking talking a bit about that in terms of revival and finding new traditions? Cellular memory, I've noticed, um, was coming through a lot of our, especially our kaumatua. Um, they would remember some of the sounds of the purutiti or the um, Pumotomoto, the kuwowo especially was just something that they resonated with and a lot of people would close their eyes and, and drift off and so and the various instruments um, was fascinating I remember going to a, a tangi one time and flying the, the pūrerehua and just how that changed the whole mood of the tangi because um, the whānau weren't very happy and they had some rararu and there was, it was like flying a pūrerehua through soup. That's what it felt in terms of the energy. And so that also um, supported me and my thinking of using those instruments in a cleansing way. And so that's a big part of what I like to do as well, is, is go into a space and clean up with, with the pūrerehua. So all of those things that were coming back or you know like a a matauranga from from our tūpuna that would come down about playing a particular instrument like a pūmotomoto it was like this is not quite right and wasn't sitting with me i was trying to play it like all you other guys and it wasn't working for me as well as i'd like it to um, it would just be really hard to get it, no matter how much I practice. And then I started singing through it. It was this matauranga, sing, sing. <laughs> and, you know, all of that sort of stuff is cellular memory stuff. And so what happened is that I've started singing through that tonga now, and it's, 
just so much better and so much um yeah more in depth and it's just open up so much more for other people as well babies like it of course <laughs> especially when you sing an audiori or a little lullaby through there so there's so much that is unraveling and a lot of times like for me i've had to over the 20 odd years i've been playing is play in an intuitive way and actually trust and trust that um you know apart from getting better and better at, at you know using the instrument ideally um but just really really being open to channeling what our tipuna might want to actually share in some of that beautiful for Karo. and i think as as well when i was doing um work around mental health with tangapiru i'd find that i'd get an instinct to do something and i'd either try it out or i'd be like mm, I'll, I'll put that one aside and then when i'd go and research another text or like talk to talk to our kaimatua and things like that it would often actually it was always right there wasn't a time where i thought something and it, there was i couldn't find a good source to say it was was right and from realizing that it made me realize how much we have within us is that as part of that knowledge I'm playing this little bit, it's like a seaweed pod, um, just um, get, lots of them are long and clumps of seaweed and you can just kind of break off with using your fingernails, break off the little tip and uh, you have like this kind of um, little whistle really, like a little ball that whistles. This one's quite wet, so it's quite spongy, but um, and that sometimes makes it a little bit um, harder to play, but yeah, um, they dry out nicely. So I'm playing it like I would a cross-blown flute, really. Um, slightly uh, to one sort of side, on an angle, I guess. So, um, so some of my breath goes off the outer edge, and some of it goes into the, um, the little seaweed ball. I reckon the smaller ones, I reckon, look better. It seems like short jabs are better with these ones.
Yeah, but I mean these ones because they're, they're dried, they're a bit different. Like normally they're thicker when they're fresh. You can find long ones that are shaped like kawoo. Yeah. You've got a nice knife, you slice them off and they play really well. It gets the slimy around your lips, but yeah, it's probably good for you. What are the shells called? I call them karoro. It's, it's a cockle. <laughs> Thank you so much. shell. Yeah, yeah. I call them karoro because it's the name of one of them. Actually, also name of that girl. Karoro karanga. Seagull call um, so for me it was like a discovery that uh, when I found that it wasn't the tube that I was playing, it was the edge and all you had to do was close the edge so I started looking for edges and then ways to close the edge and the, the cockle shell is it's both it's closed quite flatly and immediately and it has this little lip edge thing in the corner it's a few plain across And you're closing it against your lips. Just playing it like a cool yeah. 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 I'm just got a Torua wing bone and I'm just rubbing. Um, I'm rubbing the wing bone with a sharp stone at the knuckle end and I'm just doing a rub cut to remove the knuckle on both ends and then that will turn it into a um, kowowo tōrua. kind of use your mouth like against it. Makes me think of albatross doing their mating dance. You know how they click their beaks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just playing over there. 
so you can same see. technique works for two on the epiphy shots as well. Yeah. Where have you found something cool? I did find something cool. Uh, I was looking for for pieces of wood that had holes through them. So I found this guy, but I was like, oh, that's not really going to work as a koi because it's too short for how wide it is. But then I was like, it could be a chamber for a pakudu. Peter, you found some back oil. Oh, I don't know, my, we, we put it in the oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, so it was a nice little koala. Yeah, some um, some that had a hole all the way through it. It's just played like a perfect koala, yeah. It's so rare that you find something so perfect like that. Yeah, man. What's that? This is Yeah.
Thank you.